Hello and welcome to the final episode of Extreme Revisited under its current format, that is the DVD compilations that we're reviewing here at the Indie Corner, um, and the final DVD being Hardcore History, uh, that's what we'll be reviewing here today. Uh, just before we get started, as usual, I've got a little tip of information, since we're getting to the end of the ECW compilation DVDs, I thought we'd talk about the Did You Know, and for the listeners at home, Did You Know? who was the last ECW Heavyweight Champion before ECW closed its doors in 2001. Again, I'll give you a little second to guess. And it was the master of the gore, Rhino, was the final ECW Champion. So when ECW went under, it was Rhino standing tall, representing ECW uh, with the gore. And then obviously Rhino went on to be signed by WWF and the evasion angle, which everyone has an opinion about the invasion angle. Uh, the way that ECW kind of lived on in that form. So we'll quickly move on from the invasion angle and WWF and WWE's ECW to talk right back into the final DVD of ECW's collection of compilations, which is ECW Hardcore History, released on August the 7th, 2001. Very sad that it's the final ECW DVD. I was enjoying these compilations and enjoying seeing how ECW presented um, their matches and history in this DVD format. So here we go from our review. We're obviously welcomed by Joey Styles and he talks about the incredible roster and as we've talked about before the incredible talent and the mix of talent that ECW had and for the first brackets which is the title matches um, we're going to have a tag team match that is a great example of this mix of rosters. And the first match is indeed Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko, you heard that right, what a team, uh, kind of, they're kind of known in commentary, they get called the Shooters, uh, obviously because they're famous for their shoot style wrestling, for grappling, uh, and they're facing the current ECW tag team champions at the time, which is Sabu and Taz, with a company to the ring by Paul E. Dangerously, that's before he came out as Paul Heyman, and Paul E. Dangerously's sidekick, which was 911. Not the whole police, no. Um, a, a wrestler known as 911, big man, and every time they called for 911, 911 would come out and choke slam people, as we might see possibly in this DVD. So, just as this match starts, and by the way, it was on the 25th of February 1995, um, Public Enemy are out in ringside and they challenge Benoit and Malenko. Um, so, it turns into a brawl straight away with uh, Malenko and Benoit beating down. Um, public enemy even though Rocco is in a wheelchair that doesn't stop them clearly um, so then suddenly out of nowhere Sabu and Taz run in for some punches and the bell rings um, beautiful vertical brain buster by Dean Malenko and it was so nice that he decided to do it twice um, Taz in this match is absolutely non-stop furious and hits a couple of belly to bellies um, which were really beautiful and there's a really nice moment where um, there's a leg lock Benoit does a leg lock on Taz and just starts kicking him right in the face 
really vicious uh, shoot style as they describe it and then suddenly uh, 911 and Polly decide to take Taz to the back because of the beatdown he seems very hurt so Sabu is by himself and obviously uh, Benoit and Malenko take the opportunity to start doing double moves double tag team moves on Sabu until Sabu gets thrown in there and manages to counter with a double drop kick on both men he then dives on each man from either side of the ring he's getting crazy getting ready as he sets up a table and puts a chair on top of the table so he's holding the chair as he's on top of the table on the corner and he's pushed off the table uh, off the table and the top rope while holding a chair and lands really nastily and then there's a huge power bomb from that table that's on the third rope uh, jumps off it by Benoit huge power bomb and Sabu for the for the three at 10:29 the new champions are indeed the shooter and the crippler Benoit and Malenko Benoit then grabs the mic, calls themselves the true champions and calls out Public Enemy that they just beaten down earlier. Public Enemy come out and beat down the champions and then 911 brings back Taz and 911 uses Taz as a projectile with all men on the outside and he just grabs Taz and throws him as a projectile right onto the guys on the outside. Um, very fun TV match because this was on ECW TV from uh, how it's presented in the DVD, it explains it was on TV uh, and it felt very much like a TV match, not in a bad way. Um, it had a good amount of time, not too long and you could tell that they were, there was other stories um, in the mix with Public Enemy which was really interesting. The, the highlight for me was just how good Benoit and Malenko were and how interesting their strong style, shoot style is in ECW and it really blended well with the, the the opponents that they had in this match which were Taz and Sabu with such a vicious style that they had and a very much more uncontrolled style whereas uh, Benoit and Malenko very much more a calm controlled but still vicious in a different way so that was a really interesting blend and like I say a really fun start to the DVD not too long and interesting stories all around. And we're back for another tag team championship match. And I don't usually comment on the, the music that I put in these episodes, um, just just because I haven't before. But since it's, you also hear it in this match, I think, without a doubt, if you're talking about ECW's themes, and they, they're all classics, that's why I really enjoy putting the themes in the podcast. They're all classics. But nothing can compare. Well, maybe Enter Sandman. I think Enter Sandman and uh, Public Enemy are, like, on the line. But it's... Nothing can compare to the kind of fear and excitement that is mixed together when Public Enemy hits and you know that the gangsters, but especially New Jack, is coming out because it's just synonymous with hype, but also synonymous with extreme fear and violence, like, because that's what is synonymous with New Jack. And it's that kind of excitement mixed with, mixed with tentative fear that, that is kind of just perfectly embodied with that start of the song and then when the beat hits. So. As you could guess, it's a tag team championship match that includes the gangsters who were champions at the time, and it's a cage match, and they're defending their belts against the Eliminators. Um, and so the theme, the theme song hits, and they start to brawl before they're in the cage, and it's so great because as they're brawling, the song just keeps on playing. Um, Saturn at the beginning tries to sneak up 
to New Jack as he's doing his entrance, but New Jack turns perfectly on time and hits a punch right into Saturn's face. Um, true champ Mustafa, I will say, brawls with his belt on. I really respected that. Didn't even be bothered to take it off. It was just around his belt the whole time. Um, Saturn dives off the cage as he climbs into the cage, climbs up to the top and dives off onto the um, public, en- uh, the gangster, sorry, while Public Enemy is still playing, which was an awesome moment. Um, we finally get into the cage, well, Kronos and Mustafa get in the cage as New Jack and Saturn are, are fighting outside. New Jack and Saturn then climb up the cage. Um, he pushes New Jack with a clo- uh, pushes New Jack off the cage and then dives off with a clothesline onto the top of the cage. Then New Jack, synonymous with the stabbing, maiming, of course gets out um, a little spike and starts stabbing um, Saturn, I think, in the face. So Saturn's bleeding, so is Kronos. Um, Saturn dies also again, but it's caught by a flying bin. Um, the Executioner then comes out. Uh, that, that, that character I didn't know much about, I'd never seen the Executioner. And he hits New Jack with a guitar as, as New Jack is up on the cage. And obviously it then takes off his mask. And the Executioner is revealed to be my new favourite wrestler, Shane Douglas. Yes, I was so happy to see Shane Douglas. Um, so he's being a right asshole again, trying to stop the gang system from winning and getting the Eliminators to win this match. Um, Saturn climbs again to the cage, but then this time it's pushed onto the outside where thankfully there's a table but still a horrible landing landing straight through the table onto the concrete ECW chance and then there's a power slam by Mustafa on Kronos and then a diving elbow drop with a chair by New Jack for the retaining win the gangsters retain the belt at 15 minutes and 3 seconds um, this was mad this match was pretty mad I wouldn't expect anything less from the gangsters to be honest um, but just to put that into perspective, in the space of 15 minutes, Saturn Perry Saturn dived eight times from the cage. So when I say this is madness, it totally is. It's not just New Jack. Um, I don't know if I was left out of the match because I didn't know the full story of the match, uh, because of the executioner, etc. But I did feel a bit left out of this match. It felt almost like the cage was kind of restricting them more because these guys wanted to brawl, clearly. And that instead the, the, the Saturn just kept going to the diving, which which was a bit. After two dives, you kind of there's no more reaction you can feel uh, after two dives. So when you get eight of them, it's it's just a bit crazy. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an intense brawl, but not something that I particularly was engaged in. Even though I love the gangsters, uh, but also are terrified by them. Kronos and Saturn, after this match, start pushing each other, so that might mean that further down the line ECW's history, there's a Kronos and Saturn feud. Uh, Yikes. Uh, I wouldn't like to see how that ended, seeing as how much Saturn likes to throw himself around. So another tag team championship match and Joey Styles warns us beforehand as he's introducing the match this one of the wildest tag team matches in ECW history because it is indeed a dog collar match and not just a normal dog collar match, it's a two out of three falls dog collar match 
and it is the champions of Raven and Stevie Richards vs the Pitbulls. That's Pitbull number one and Pitbull number two. Um, and interestingly, this is just after, if you're keeping up with the reviews, after the Buell and Francine match where Stevie Richards um, basically super kicked Francine out of his relationship and chose the flock. Um, and then they were became the tag team champions, I think. It's kind of like that, I think. Um, and then so we go into the match and Beulah explains that Stevie Richard is hurt and can't compete because of an, a, an elbow injury. Joey Styles straight away saying that this is not true and it is a load of nonsense. Um, but so she asks, just to make it fair, that it becomes a two or three falls match. Um, Pitbull number two and Raven have attached each other to the dog collars before the announcers even finished announcing. And so it you straight away you get the sense that this is gonna be nasty um, obviously very quickly you get Raven getting hung by the chain as he's hanging from the ropes um, and then suddenly Pitbull number one disappears and it suddenly uh, reappears from the entranceway pulling Stevie Richards by the chain as he's managed to attach it to Stevie Richards neck and he's pulling her into the arena uh, but then as he's distracted by that Raven manages to hit a power driver through a table for the first fall in two minutes and ten seconds so rapid lots of stuff happening in those two minutes um stevie stevie gets a uh, stevie kick for two but then as raven's distracted with pitbull number two richards gets power gone through a table to make it even so it's one apiece four minutes and 19 seconds for that second fall out of nowhere members of the dudleys and that's not just devon and bubba this is other members of the dudley crew because in ecw the dudleys was a whole family and they come out and help Richards and Ravens and manage to set two, power, uh, two tables up and uh, Richards and uh, Raven power the Bournemouth through but the, the pit bulls pop right back up like pit bulls looking for bones they don't care, they want to fight and so they turn around and hit both Raven and Richards with power bombs through tables but it's not enough to get the three um, suddenly Pitbull number one is uh, is put through, no, Pitbull number two is put through a table. There's two tables, and so he's get put through the first one with a leg drop, but doesn't break the second one, so then El Raven then goes back to the top rope and hits an elbow drop to break him through the second. So when in doubt, just keep jumping on him, and it'll break tables. Uh, Francine runs in to take out Beulah, but then out of nowhere, Raven just grabs her and hits a massive DDT on Francine, so she's out of the picture. By this point, Pitbull number two from the being put through two tables is carried out by medics so it's not looking good for the pit bulls but out of nowhere comes raven's biggest rival that's right tommy dreamer and he chains himself to the dog collar with raven that was a great visual and that rivalry is has got such a history in itself that anytime you see the two guys together there's there's a certain excitement um tommy dreamer hits a knee drop right to the balls of raven and then a ddt and it gets the three and that is very important the reason i'm saying it like that is uh, up to this point, Tommy Dreamer had never beaten Raven. There's other theories saying that he'd beaten him at house shows, but on TV, televised, he had never beaten Raven. Um, so the crowd go mental. He managed to beat Raven and win the titles with Pitbull number one, it seems. Except, out comes our favourite whistling band. It's Bill Alfonso, still at the referee at this point, and he was the epitome of a bad guy referee. The fans hate every decision he makes. And this one is no different as he reverses the decision saying that Dreamer didn't beat Raven. He was not involved in the match. And then Todd Gordon, um, the commissioner of ECW, the owner of ECW, comes out and instead restarts the match. Um, so then Big Dick, which is one of the members of the, uh, the Dudley team, comes out and uh, uh, an and chokeslams Tommy Dreamer. And Alfonso says, I'm allowing that chokeslam. Choke so did someone say 
911. Did somebody just type that on their phone? Did someone call 911? Because out comes 911, and he hits a huge, and I'm talking a huge, choke slam on Bill Alfonso. Massive ECW chance. Pitbull number two suddenly appears out of nowhere from the back. He's healed up, and he hits a super, super power bomb. Uh, the reason I'm calling that is because he manages not only to do a power bomb on Raven, but then Pitbull number one hooks Stevie Richards on top of Raven's shoulders. So it's a power bomb to both men. Insane, insane moment. And that manages to get the three, and the crowd go crazy as the Pitbulls finally become tag team champions at 19 minutes and 36 seconds. Um, it's it's an interesting match for me. Uh, I was included into the story beforehand and on when I was watching it it did feel a bit long but now I'm kind of talking back I, I see, I'm already enjoying it more thinking back uh, but from the moment Dreamer stepped into this I was suddenly extremely invested because Raven Dreamer is one of the best feuds in wrestling if you read about it if you watch it it's got such an interesting story and how Dreamer could never beat Raven and so to see Dreamer get the pinfall in it to be reversed it was playing completely with emotions and it completely worked and one of the greatest things was how emotional Pitbull, the Pitbulls were winning the belts and how emotional the crowd was. Um, a bit like the match, the previous match I was talking about, there was maybe a few too many tables for my liking in the sense that once a few tables are broken, it's hard to get as excited. But that final move, the powerbomb power with two guys, was incredible to see. Um, so I can't take away from that. It was still really interesting watching and uh, really cool to see the Pitbulls win the belts. I'm really happy to have seen that historic moment. So Joey Styles introduces Shane Douglas. Yes, I'm jumping at my seat already. And he explains that Shane Douglas had beat up Pitbull number one so badly that he got a broken neck. And then you see the the footage of even after that Pitbull number one wearing this huge neck brace, um, Shane Douglas just shaking it around and really beating up an already beaten up neck. This is like 120% asshole. I love it. <laughs> I just love it. Shane Douglas, man, I'm just becoming the biggest fan. And I was so excited to see a one-on-one -on -one match with Shane Douglas. It's him, Shane Douglas defending the TV championship. Uh, and he comes to the ring with Francine. And he's defending it against one of his biggest enemies, Pitbull number two, with Pitbull number one at ringside, obviously, because of the neck injury. So before the match, Pitbull number one is in this massive neck brace. He cuts a promo explaining that he will uh, never wrestle again but he will never give up because a pit bull never does and he is so happy that he managed to wrestle in front of the best fans in the world, the ECW fans uh, and that Shane, Douglas and Francine will get their comeuppance uh, and then just as Sh uh, Francine and Shane Douglas are coming and Joe Gertner, yes, so happy to see Joe Gertner I love Joe Gertner, I love his style, I love his voice he's a very cool character um, grabs the microphone and introduces Francine and Shane Douglas as they laugh from ringside at Pitbull number one just great bad, bad guy stuff here um, and as Shane Douglas is walking around the ring before the, the match starts he 
actually points to some fans, uh, as is police some often in ECW. Or, uh, he points to some of the fans and tries to get them arrested, which I thought, again, was just so assholey and so good. Um, so then Francine manages to distract Pitbull number two as she's trash talking to Pitbull number one, and Shane Douglas attacks him from behind. Um, and this match from the get-go starts very vicious. Both men aiming for the neck, you can tell. Neck breakers, DDTs, power drivers, all these neck-based moves trying to hurt each other's necks um, to show, to reference Pitbull number one. The fans completely into it as they chant, break his neck, break his neck. Um, they brawl to the outside and Shane Douglas starts hitting Pitbull number two viciously with chairs. But Pitbull doesn't go down easy as we've seen before. Um, back in the ring and Pitbull number two dies onto Douglas. Um, but instead, Douglas moves out the way, walks out the way and uh, Pitbull number two kisses. His face meets the guardrail basically. Uh, and that cuts him open very nicely. He's covered in blood. And then Shane Douglas as they're back in the ring, does a little taunt, showing off that he's covered in um, Pitbull number two's blood, which again, oh my God, what an asshole. Um, Francine then distracts the ref, and we've seen this before in Shane Douglas matches. He uses brass knucks, Pitbull cuts, kicks out, he uses a chain, Pitbull kicks out, and then he hits a vicious chair shot, but Pit, and chair shot, and then a power driver on a chair, but Pitbull number two still kicks out. Um, Pitbull pitbulls up, as I call it, instead of hulking up like Hulk Hogan, he must pitbull up uh, and hits a massive body slam and a clothesline, but doesn't get the win just yet. And Pitbull is fighting hard, but the blood loss is clear, and Joey Styles is telling us how much he's bleeding and how much it must be affecting him. So Pitbull does the middle finger and starts to go for punches, but is too weak to continue. Um, Douglas manages to get Pitbull number two onto the top rope. And it looks like Pitbull number two might be able to hit his signature super power bomb, but then Douglas, Shane Douglas just hits him with the chain in the face and then in the balls. They go back to the, the mat and then belly to belly kick out a second belly to belly by Shane Douglas and that gets a three in 15 minutes and 37 seconds. Um, this is probably the most invested I have been in an ECW match yet. There's been probably better in-ring matches. Um, Tanaka Awesome, Jerry Lynn, Rob Van Dam, for example, off the top of my head. But this storyline got me so invested. It was so easy to suddenly just feel like you were back there in the moment with this neck uh, injury. And you feel for Pitbull number one, obviously. Uh, Shane Douglas is doing a tremendous job of being so hateable. So it's so easy just to fall in to hating them, which was great and um, both men wanted to break each other the brawling was intense the the, the story of Pitbull not giving up was so good the, the crowd wanted Pitbull to win that TV title so badly and Shane Douglas had to pull out everything to stop this man uh, it was just such an awesome story and such a great match and it shows you this example is a very good example of a match if you've got the right story um, you almost forget about what's happening in ring. It's all about that story, and that's what I'm not saying. The in ring wasn't good. It's just the story was so well plotted out, and the moves uh, only enhanced that story. Um, this was awesome, awesome stuff. I was so surprised of how, how much I enjoyed this match. But that is a great thing to be surprised. And like I say, I felt like I was almost back there in the time, cheering along with Pitbull number two. Uh, fucking awesome. Afterwards, Pitbull raging that he'd lost hits a powerbomb on the ref and of course hits a powerbomb on Gertner which everyone wanted to see um, as we cut away.
I can get over how much I love that match. So after that we're back to the second bracket of matches which is indeed hardcore matches. Um, Joey Styles explains that the current champ, ECW champion at this time was Sandman and that Mick Foley slash Cactus Jack just after making his debut he was aligned with uh, Shane Douglas because they were training partners, I didn't know that, very interesting, and went on to challenge Sandman. Uh, Joey Styles warns us beforehand that the shadow of Shane Douglas looms over this match. Oof. Shane Douglas you're all over this DVD and I love it. So this match is a barbed wire v Singapore cane match and it's for the ECW Championship and it's Sandman with Woman the Champion defending against Cactus Jack on the 1st of July 1996. Um, so barbed wire v Singapore cane, Sandman's obviously got his kind of Singapore cane and uh, Cactus Jack has wrapped one of his arms in barbed wire. So we'll see which weapon wins. Um, Sandman straight away rolls out and starts messing with Cactus Jack by hitting the Singapore cane against the ropes. It was very cool, enjoyed that a lot. Um, Cactus tries to dive on Sandman but is hit with a cane and lands nasty on the outside. Um, Sand, uh, Cactus Jack then goes for a barbed wire attack with his arm but is hit by a chair, really nasty. The arm must have been very hurt by that. Um, and then Sandman starts to kind of home in on the arm as he hits Singapore canes onto the arm, very nasty. Um, and Cactus Jack is just getting beaten up for this first part of the match. There's DDTs and pile drivers, uh, but he finally manages to reverse Sandman over into the ropes and hits his signature diving elbow onto Sandman on the concrete. Um, as Cactus Jack then starts to try and push his arm into Sandman's mouth with the barbed wire, Woman comes in and hits Cactus Jack on the back with a cane. Um, as she's shoved nastily onto the floor by Cactus Jack and he smashes the cane into, which was a great visual. Um, the two men start to brawl and as they brawl they're knocked down they knock down the ref and out comes Shane Douglas and hits a massive pile driver on Sandman uh, he then grabs a mic looks straight into Sandman's face he's lying on the floor and says keep your friends close and your enemies by your side as he turns to Cactus and hits him in the face with the broken cane and that's the three in 13 minutes and 6 seconds Sandman retains and just after the three count you can hear the voice of Shane Douglas shouting ECW kiss my ass goodbye fucking great line um, Todd Gordon being the lovely kind commission that he is rolls into the ring and tries to reverse the decision but Douglas shouts him down and he says you know what Gordon I'll stay in ECW if you get down on one knee and ask him so Todd Gordon goes down on one knee and then stands up and says Shane Douglas you're fired um, and obviously Shane Douglas then beats down uh, Gordon and again somebody in the crowd must have typed 911 into their phone because out comes 911 and hits a massive choke slam onto Shane Douglas uh, I really like the concept of this match, the idea of weapon v weapon, which one was going to win, was the barbed wire going to overcome the cane, and I love the visual of Cactus Magic to break the candlestick. Um, and uh, Shane Douglas again, an absolute highlight, being an asshole, turning on his best friend, being above ECW, uh, brings him so much hate, and it's so easy to get involved in that hate. Um, the match 
apart from those elements of the match with the weapon stuff, not the most entertaining match, but it was really cool to see all this storyline evolve and how each person kind of slotted in and where Cactus Jack was going to go, where Shane Douglas was going to go, and uh, also cool to see Sandman champion defending. All really good historic stuff, and yeah, Cactus Jack and Shane Douglas just rule, man. That's 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 what I'll say. That's my statement. Joey Styles cuts back and explains how Rob Van Dam and Sabu have a very complicated, volatile relationship. We'd seen them early on in DVDs be tag teams. They're famous for being a tag team, but also obviously famous for having an intense rivalry. And this match came about when Sabu tried to show respect to RVD after a match and tried to shake his hand, but RVD refused. So the only way to sort this kind of intense rivalry was a stretcher match. Uh, so a stretcher match is, if no one's seen a stretcher match before, to put your opponent on the stretcher and him to be carried out all the way to the back for the match to end. So you really have to um, incapacitate your opponent in order to win. So this is indeed a stretcher match, Rob Van Dam via Sabu, and it was on the 3rd of August, 1996. Um, first note, Rob Van Dam is in his old martial arts jacket. That was so cool to see. Um, he he looks so young and so cool. Um, and Sabu is in full vicious mode, uh, pacing in the ring and trying to mess with Rob Van Dam's uh, mind which was really cool as well um, there's slingshots from Sabu and spring springboards obviously straight away very quickly but then Rob Van Dam hits a vicious and I mean a vicious tiger driver with no set out he just like dropped Sabu on his head uh, Sabu clearly apparently can take it uh, as he can take a lot of damage um, and then uh, he's Rob Van Dam tries to from the springboard back into the ring, but Sabu just catches him with a massive drop kick, so vicious as he drops to the floor. Um, they set up a guardrail table, table between guardrail and ring. And as Sabu's set on the apron, he's lying on the apron, Rob Van Dam gives middle fingers to every side of the arena, great, and then hits a leg drop with a chair onto Sabu lying on the apron. And that's the first time the stretcher arrives and Sabu's put on it. He's getting rolled to the back, but Sabu chants, Sabu chants, seem to wake him up as he rolls back into the ring but is still looking very hurt. Um, Rob Van Dam beats down Sabu, uh, no stopping him there, as uh, then um, he dominates him with a powerbomb and a moonsault. RVD is refusing to let a fan sit down as he goes into the crowd, tells him to stand up and takes his chair. That fan's going to have sore calves and legs by the end of this match, but Rob Van Dam doesn't seem to care. Um, there's an amazing moment as RVD goes for a springboard into the ring to hit Sabu, but he just misses, falls right in front of Sabu. Sabu just kind of looks at him weirdly and then just drops him with a leg drop. It was so awesome. It was you fucked up chance, but I thought it was such a fun, interesting moment. Um, there's an amazing, I'd miss seeing them, the somersault Arabian face buster, which is the, the leg drop but with a spin, kind of like the Houston hangover. And then a second normal Arabian face buster with the chair both times, really nasty. And that gets RVD onto the stretcher for the first time, but he gets halfway to the back and pulls himself back in, but really pulling himself using the guardrail 
want everything to get back in. Um, after a few more moves, RVD is placed on a stretcher and Sabu moonsaults onto, onto RVD on the stretcher but seriously bangs his leg on that guardrail. I, we've seen people bang their legs on guardrails way after this. I wonder if there's any way of stopping this because, man, it looks so nasty every single time somebody lands a leg on a guardrail um, and that incapacitates Sabu as he's put on a stretcher. So both men are on stretchers as they're going out onto the back into the entranceway, Sabu suddenly wakes up, jumps onto the guardrail and hits a leg drop on RVD on the stretcher, awesome. Sabu gets back in the ring, RVD slowly follows, follows. Uh, chairs are thrown at each other, a hurricane rana sets RVD up to be standing near the table that was set up way early on the guardrail uh, ring and then Sabu goes for that famous Air Sabu DDT running at him but RVD catches him at the last moment and hits a massive fisherman buster into the table landing right through. Stretcher again, but Sabu manages to fight it off. Holy shit, these guys are fucking bringing everything out. Um, there's a spin kick by RVD sending Sabu to the outside and onto the stretcher. So Sabu's lying on the stretcher. RVD goes for a rolling sent on onto the stretcher, but Sabu manages to roll out at last minute, and RVD hits that stretcher so hard he's carried to the back, and Sabu wins at 24 minutes and 16 seconds. This was again, I mean, it sounds like I'm just like losing my mind, but this match was amazing. Like, uh, both men trying to one up each other. There was that very much that kind of who is the better high flyer, who's the better brawler, and these guys trying to show off who is the best. It's everything you want from an RVD Sabu match. Um, with the stretcher stipulation as well, I felt that there was almost a fun tone to it like like the bit where they both woke up on the stretchers and fall and like doing moonsaults onto the stretcher it felt partly extreme but also partly fun which was a really nice thing to see as well not just fully dis like bloody brawls this was a kind of more light of tone brawl but really really worked and there was still an intensity and I really liked the ending moment which for me was like Rob Van Dam got so cocky and thought he had beat, beat Sabu and just wanted to add a little flair to it and it backfired and that's what got Sabu the win which I thought was a really really awesome story as well um, and bear in mind this match is in 1996 if you go and watch, watch this match back you will see how much these two guys have influenced wrestling all over the board from extreme wrestling to high flying um, it's it's just an amazing match and, and for 1996 such a historic influential match really go out your way to see this because 24 minutes flew by because it was so so entertaining and such of high quality real fucking awesome stuff <laughs> We're back for the final bracket of matches, which is classic matches. Joey Styles explains that Lucha Libre was a massive part of wrestling at this point, and definitely was, and also it was a part of ECW. Very exciting. And two names that are synonymous with Lucha Libre are indeed Rey Mysterio Jr. and Juventud Guerrero. Notably, this is also both men's last appearance in ECW before they go to WCW. So highly emotional as well for the crowd that maybe knew that. I assume so. Um, so and interestingly, it's not just a normal match; it's a two out of three falls match. Uh, so Rey Mysterio v Rey Mysterio Jr. v Juventud Guerrero, March 9th, 1996. Rey Mysterio goes for the handshake to start this match off, but is instead met with spit 
to the face. Usual Friday night in Glasgow, I'd say. Um, the submission's early, and we get some speed as head serves by Ray take Hooven to the outside, and then there's a moonsault onto him. Big sunset flip powerbomb, but only gets a two first pinfall, only gets a two. Then Guerrero hits an amazing springboard somersault kick to the face. You heard that right. I love a, sub I love a running spin kick to the face in general, and a spinning springboard version. Mwah. Beautiful. And he follows that up straight away with a dragon suplex and that gets the three in five minutes and 36 seconds. Ray Mysterio rolls out for a breather. Well played, Ray. Take your time. And uh, then Guerrero hits hard as he misses a drop kick as he runs to Ray in the corner, uh, but gets nothing but um, the corner the corner, and the pads. Nasty. Um, then there's a hurricane runner to the outside. Amazing. And as the ref is checking on Guerrero, Ray obviously sees this as a tramp lean moment because he sees the ref bending over on the ropes runs at fl the ref flips over the ref and jumps onto Guerrero amazing there's a lion salt gets a close to and then Juventu goes for a cross body from the top but it's caught by a drop kick and then Ray hits a massive doctor bomb a gut wrench power bomb for the three and nine minutes and eight seconds uh, amazing to see that getting a three Ray Mysterio hitting out with the doctor bomb was so cool uh, then Hooven to Guerrero, I knew I was going to slip up one time with that name. Hooven to Guerrero runs straight away with a drop kick, knowing it's desperation time. Uh, there's a close two as Ray catches the Hurricane Runner with a power bomb, and then there's a beautiful, really beautiful followaway press slam by Guerrero. And then they start brawling to the crowd. I thought it was going to be a normal brawl, but I was surprised as they went to the front door, exited to the parking lot, and who to hits a power bomb on a car. You heard that right. And then Ray manages to get his breath back and hits a hurricane runner from the car onto Hooven 2 and landing on the concrete. Amazing. They're back into the arena as the fans call for a table. Ray obliges and puts a table set up outside. Then they get to the top rope. Guerrero goes for a crucifix powerbomb from the top. It's covered into hurricane run from the top rope. 16 minutes, 7 seconds. Ray Mysterio picks up the run win with that hurricane runner. And since it's his last show, I loved it. He had to oblige to the tables. Threw him into out straight away after the win and has a settled powerbomb through the table. Thank you, Ray. You're fucking extreme. You've proved it. I'm going to say it again. This was amazing. This is like, it's very rare. It's probably you've seen it. I kind of jumped in between opinions and other DVDs, but this was amazing. Uh, giving them two or three falls was such a good idea because it managed to give them time to pace out a match uh, and give it time. And pacing was so good in this match. There was a little bit of everything in this match, and it was so cool to see Ray do power moves uh, and brawling. And Hooven too, obviously, is just as good, and it's and his power moves and his technicality is so good. And this is a prime example for me of cruiserweights holding their own, not only as high flyers but as wrestlers in general. Not just being sent, not being just given ten minutes, but having a lot of time to be able to do a lot of things. And I think they did that so well. I'll say it again: the pacing of this match was insanely good. It just went by. It it built so well, and the crowd loved it. And so cool to see some. Uh, different type of brawling going to the outside uh, literally to the outside of the arena I thought it was really cool what a match I'm going to say it again EC dub EC dub
So we're back to Joey Styles for the final time. I'm getting a bit emotional, man. To think this is the last kind of uh, DVT introduction we'll get. Um, as he explains, introduces the biggest rivalry, which is of course Raven v Tommy Dreamer. But we're not getting that because at this point Raven put Brian Lee against Tommy Dreamer, and it was indeed a scaffold match. Um, as soon as he mentioned this, a clip, a certain clip, came to my mind. And uh, if you've watched any kind of ECW montages, you might remember this. So the final match of the DVD is a scaffold match, Tommy Dreamer v Brian Lee, and it was on the 10th, uh, the 26th of October 1996. So Tommy Dreamer straight away creeps up on Brian Lee and hits him with a trash can. Uh, he, they then start brawling to the crowd and Tommy Dreamer jumps off a vending machine with a trash can. Awesome Tommy. Uh, there's more brawling and Tommy Dreamer's bleeding heavily and he gets power slammed on the floor. Brian Lee manages to climb the scaffold first and Tommy follows. Uh, check the visuals out for the scaffolding because it's quite an interesting thing. There's a scaffold and then there's like uh, probably about 10 to 12 tables in the ring in kind of a square form. So it's going to be a nasty landing. It's going to be a wooden landing for sure. Uh, and this scaffold is attached by wires but it is swinging harder than a monkey on a vine. It's like left to right, left to right. and. So Brian Lee's beating down Tommy, but Tommy manages to get back with a low blow and then hits a DDT on the scaffold. But uh, he then pushes Lee off, but Lee manages to kind of hold on and pulls himself back. Then Lee goes for a chokeslam, but it's blocked. Dreamer's leg slips and almost falls. And then Tommy Dreamer starts to get hyped up and hits a load of punches on Brian Lee as he falls to his doom through a massive table tables. And there is an, oh my god, like no other from Joey Styles, what a call, a huge shouting, oh my god. And it's the ring bell wins, he, Tommy Dreamer wins by pushing him off the, the scaffold at 8 minutes and 49 seconds. And Tommy then does his uh, extreme pose with the arms out um, to the crowd and then climbs down and hugs all the fans. Um, I I think scaffold matches. It's kind of like Chekhov's gun uh, in theatre, whereas you know it's going to happen, so everything that happens before the scaffold uh, drop is just building up to it. So it was a moment match, but that was totally fine, because after such matches in this DVD, it was a really awesome way to finish the DVD with just a great ECW moment, and finishing with Tommy Dreamer just felt so right. Uh, him hugging the fans, what a great way to end the DVD. What a moment by throwing a man through a lot of tables off a scaffold. Nobody does that like ECW, I'm absolutely sure of that. Um, nothing like, thankfully, the New Jack scaffold match that you might have seen in Dark Side of the Ring, which is a total different beast. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a great way to end. It didn't necessarily need to be match heavy after such good matches and quite a light, extreme way to end, which was awesome. And then back to Joey Styles, takes some saying there'll be more. He's going to show us some clips from more DVDs to come. Damn it, Joey, I wish you were right. Uh, I really do wish, wish you were right on that one. Uh, but sadly, this is the last ECW compilation. So now I'm going to just rank these DVDs. As you might tell, I think Hardcore History was the best. It's weird to say the best to last. Um, but that was absolutely my favourite DVD. Just abs I would almost say check out every match because just in order, this was such a good had such a good feeling of ECW but by all means check out Sabu RVD, check out Shane Douglas Pitbull number two, check out Hooventu Guerrero and Rey Mysterio, these are all absolute classics and I wasn't just chanting ECW for the last, it really made me appreciate ECW on a new level on this DVD so that was really awesome to see so Hardcore History, number one of those DVDs 
Number two would have to be uh, Path of Destruction, where the four corners match, Chris Jericho, Tuchel, Scorpio, Shane Douglas and Pitbull number two being really awesome, um, and the three-way dance, Super Crazy, Tajiri and Jerry Lynn, and of course the two or three falls match, uh, Eddie Guerrero uh, and Dean Malenko, and also Psychosis Rey Mysterio, so that was a really good collection of, of matches also. Then after that, it would have to be Extreme Evolution, the first one I reviewed, um, Jerry Lynn, Rob Van Dam, uh, and Masato Tanaka, Mike Awesome being the absolute highlights of that. And then the last, my least favorite match was my least favorite DVD. Sorry, was Deep Impact, uh, which was the one that I kind of said there was there was a good tag match. There was Tajiri Psychosis Awesome, which was which was uh, sorry Tajiri and Psychosis, which was really awesome, and Mike Awesome just incredible and Jerry Lynn Tanaka tag team match. But apart from that, it felt. Uh, a bit too storyline kind of trying to fill in the things and also a side note about hardcore history the reason I think it was number one it's really interesting that that was mainly matches from 1995 and 1996 which makes me really interested to go back to those specific years because it felt like that was really a hot spot of ECW so yeah um, by all means hit me up on Twitter at Dougbag or at the Indie Corner that's where I'm doing my work um, if you want to see more ECW content, if you want me to review something else with ECW, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, please check out the other episodes if you haven't, and just take care and enjoy, and like I say, stay extreme. Yeah.